0: Hi, Timothy. My favorite part of my partner's body are his eyes. For me, one of my favorite parts on a potential significant other is definitely got to be their arms because I am such a hugger.
1: The most attractive part of my partner, I think, uh, is her nose.
0: Hey, Tim. The body part I love most about my partner is... His shoulders, I feel like they just make me feel safe. My favorite part on my
1: partner's body is definitely her ass. I love walking past and giving it a bit of a
0: grab or a little bit of a smack.
1: Did you know that many of the nutrients in breast milk that help to nurture a child's brain come from the fat deposits in and around a woman's hips and thighs. And that's one of the main reasons why there's such a natural attraction to the glutus maximus or the buttocks region. Welcome to the brain and brand show. I'm Timothy Maurice. I have two goals in today's show. Firstly, to illuminate, to show you why you are magnetically drawn to certain people or what I call first tier attraction. And secondly, to help you hack your attraction patterns to ensure you make better decisions about what and who you are drawn to, which, as you know, can limit or increase your chances of success. A huge thanks to everyone who chose this episode. I can promise it's going to be enlightening and entertaining, and you will want to share it and not keep it to yourself. Let's start at the beginning. The vast majority of what's driving you, you're not aware of. Allow me to prove it. You've been blinking as you listen, but you're not controlling your blinking patterns. You've probably moved or tapped your feet, but did not instruct your foot to do so. Some of you jumped up after pressing play and went to the bathroom, but you didn't tell your body it was time to go. All of these internal systems are operating without your input, and there's a very good reason why. If you had to consciously think of this activity to instruct yourself, it would be too costly and cause your brain to overheat and break down. We have these instincts designed into our genes, and that's why a child doesn't need an instruction manual on how to cry. Imagine if you had to teach your baby how to laugh. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, go, ha, 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 got it? (laughs) Fortunately, we don't have to do that. When your teenage daughter begins her cycle, or your teen son begins experiencing intense erections and wet dreams, these all come without their involvement. In fact, almost all are caught completely off guard. The same applies with attraction. You didn't tell yourself to become attracted to that person when they walked by you on the beach. You were programmed to find certain features in others arousing. This is a key moment in the episode. I want you to hear me clearly. The human species needs you to find others alluring and amazing while you are in your mating years to keep the circle growing. Whatever you find intensely attractive... Eyes, nose, the butt, waist, hands, chest, back. It's programmed in you. And their image is triggering an instinct in you. This instinct is in a five-year-old, but it's dormant for a reason. And the same instinct becomes weaker in your elderly years. When we become adults, our greatest internal war It's self-managing or self-regulating our arousal instincts. The vast majority of you listening are in what I term the arousal peak window, or the window in which you observe most of what you see through the lens of arousal value. Please, please, please hear me carefully. Your unconscious mind is constantly measuring everyone against whether or not they are healthy and strong enough to make the human gene pool thrive. Why do you think the majority of Hollywood stars fall off when they can no longer give birth or pass on their genes? Now, I know this is controversial, but I'm asking you to stay with me for a moment. Why do you think supermodels have such a short window of perceived relevance? Why do you think the beauty business is worth hundreds of billions? You see, we're all trying to show the world that we are still in the ideal age to pass on our genes. No one wakes up thinking about this. That's why I want you to be patient with this idea and this theory. But the world's axis turns around the simple idea. The younger, the healthier, the fitter you are, the more you are noticed and matter to the world. The superficial world. The main point is coming up. I just needed to set the scene. Before I go further, I ask listeners and my network to share what they are attracted to. As you're listening, I want you to measure what they're saying against what I've just shared.
0: Hey, Timothy. The favorite part of my partner's body would be his hands and teeth. I always look at men's teeth and nice, clean, straight teeth. I'm a biggest attraction. As to my body... I'm so
1: in love with my flat tummy. So I go crazy when it comes to a flat tummy. I, I think that's what gives me all the confidence
0: in and outside the bedroom. My favorite part of my body um, is my smell. Um, I think it's, it's welcoming and I like to welcome people. My favorite part of my partner's body are his arms. And when it comes to my body, the part I appreciate the most are my legs. Hey, Timothy. So my favorite part of my partner's body, I would say, has to be his teeth. (laughs) If ever anybody had a perfect set or if there was a World Cup for the best teeth in the world, he would probably take the trophy. I am such a fan. And um, when it comes to my body, I appreciate my legs. I love the way my legs look. They are full, they're voluptuous. And in our African culture, full legs are, are greatly appreciated and they're praised. And I embody that. So I always joke to Ben and say he'd probably be charged extra lobola for those alone. So what a treat. Love them my favorite part of my body would be i think my eyes um and my legs um yeah the part i appreciate the most is my eyes
1: for myself tim um my hands um i've got soft hands and i've got long fingers not in the stealing way but i've got long fingers i sometimes think that um that is my
0: tool to, to love the world with. Um, the body part that I appreciate most about myself are my hips. I feel like they are very feminine, they are sexy, and they just make me feel super confident.
1: And I would say the part that I appreciate most on my body is my chest. Uh, over the years, I've worked hard to develop
0: my chest in the gym, so that's really what I've come to appreciate the most. Hi, Timothy. Uh, My favorite part of my partner's body would definitely be shoulders. Love a good broad shoulder with good posture. Just something about it is, like, super attractive. Um, Yeah, I think it also just kind of, you know, when you're walking with a man that, like, has this good posture and has, like, these shoulders, you kind of just feel safe, I guess. Um, And I think a part of my body that I appreciate quite a bit, I know this is going to sound weird, but my chest Absolutely love
1: my chest. Once you're finished listening, I want you to scroll through your social media feeds. The designers of the technology that drives what you see on the app, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, they understand you are drawn to backs, butts, chests, shoulders, smiles, eyes, and more. So they prioritize showing you these body parts. Anyone who understands this can hack their social media growth quite easily. Show more of these and you'll get more following because the algorithms are pushing these. If I put a poem up, the algorithm doesn't push it. If you want to be deeper and build an account on ideas and internal attributes, you have an uphill battle because Instagram is not interested in pushing these. These constant flowing news feeds thrive off of our lower primitive emotional instincts, not our higher conscious ideals. If that is your goal, to push these higher ideals, you'll need to be savvy to connect to people's other deeper primitive needs such as security and safety. Now, the question is, why should any of this matter to you? At the beginning of the episode, remember I said my second goal is to help you hack your attraction patterns. The more conscious and aware you are of what's driving you to someone or something, the more control you have over the health of your relationships. Let me provide a few more examples. Many partners aren't aware that when ejaculation occurs and semen enters a partner's bloodstream, bonding chemicals are released, triggering a closer feeling and an effect of closeness, of bondedness. You see, this makes complete sense because historically, if someone was that intimate with you, you wanted to be close to them. But now, in this modern world, with casual encounters happening daily, people aren't aware of this bonding effect. And they often wonder why they are feeling close to someone they don't really want a long-term partnership with. So, a simple hack is this. By simply ensuring there is a condom present, You can hack this effect by keeping the chemicals and hormones out your bloodstream. So if you just want to have a casual encounter or a one-night stand, do not allow the person's ejaculation inside of you. I know this is a lot, but I am tired of having the same conversations and people repeating the same patterns simply because they don't understand the science of human behavior. Another example is if you meet An extraordinary person, but they don't have the broad shoulders, perfect symmetry, their eyes aren't as clear, or they have blemishes, or the waist-to-hip ratio doesn't signal high levels of fertility, and you find yourself not being as drawn to them. You can work to find other areas about them that you find alluring. But I call this second-tier attraction and arousal hacking. This requires you to look beyond the first tier of basic attraction. Sure, it helps to be attracted on all levels, but sometimes it's not there. An example of this is what Harvard MBA and change management thought leader, Charles Henderson explains here, when I asked him about what he's drawn to.
0: The first time I heard the word sapiosexual, years ago, I thought to myself, that's me. I'm a sapiosexual. For me, a woman's intelligence, first and foremost, is what makes her sexually attractive. And the more intelligent she is, the more attractive she becomes. Physical attraction is, of course, important. And I also have a rigorous workout routine, lifting weights, cycling. But if I had to sacrifice my mind or my body, I'd have to let the body go. Stephen Hawking is a good example of what I'm trying to say here. He completely lost the use of his body due to a dreaded and rare disease called ALS in his 20s but he was able to use his mind to make meaningful contributions to cosmology until he died at age 76. Bottom line is, I choose the professor for a partner over the model any day, and I choose to be the professor over the bodybuilder. In the ideal world, of course, I would have all of the above, but it's important to keep one's priorities in order.
1: There is a danger to getting stuck on first-tier attraction bias standards. Study after study has shown we are universally more attracted to hiring people who have bodies and features that trigger these basic impulses. Malcolm Gladwell even wrote about a similar effect in his book, Blink. He called it the Warren Harding era, where Warren Harding became president in America because he looked like a president. He fit the image, the stature and the mold, but there were more qualified people. If we hope to live and work in an inclusive world, we have to train ourselves to be drawn to people who have those second tier attractions, people who don't fit our conditioned molds, people who actually challenge our norms of attraction and have arousal traits that go a little bit deeper. I've shared a few additional reading resources in the show notes for you to explore further. Thanks to everyone who contributed and thank you for choosing and sharing the show. It means everything to me. I hope this helps. Until next time.